here today, my guest, my special guest is uh, Anthony. Uh, your last name, how do you say that? So um, the Italian pronunciation, so it's Viglione. Right. <laughs> yeah, but um, Viglione or however, pretty much. <laughs> so, I've had a few different variations of it. My, my one's just as hard, mate. It's uh, Cocciardi. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so you, you know the same pain as me. <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> It's good to have you on today. Um, we've got uh, Luke, obviously, in the background again. He's here every episode. Yo, 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 what up? <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, uh, we've got a, a few things in common, Anthony. I, uh, I pretty much follow you on Instagram um, because of your power, powerlifting, bodybuilding. I know you've done, like, exercise science, I'm pretty sure, and um, yep. physiotherapy. Is that correct? Yep. Correct. Yeah, so I did um, my first bodybuilding comp back in 2016. Right. My second one was in um, 2019. And then um, in between that, I did my exercise science degree and then um, transitioned into my two-year master's, which I finished up at the end of 2019, just after I finished my comp. Right, yeah. i seen, um, I think I saw the, the photos and the videos of you when you were finishing up your master's you had the big uh, hat on there and again yep. at, at your uh, what do they call it there's a grad graduation i'm pretty sure yeah yeah pretty graduation. Much, uh, yeah so you did a few years <clears throat> of study then didn't you yeah so five years all up would have been uh would have been difficult to get through all that it's not easy subjects i know like all that physio and um exercise science i've got a few friends that have studied that sort of stuff yeah so i think when you're involved in it in regards to like the industry that you work in, so having that sort of background working with people, like coaching alongside um, my own like uh, physique prep and stuff like that, it sort of made things click a little bit better. Yeah. Just having that understanding of like anatomy, physiology, how everything works. Um, yeah, it made everything sort of stick a little bit better and made it easier to understand. Mm. yeah i guess i kind of like understand that as well because I've, I've never really studied um you know anything to do with with fitness because it's like you know just doing your own kind of research being you know involved in i just you know, i just go basically go to gym but with all the videos and stuff i read and talking to people you kind of get the gist of it and i imagine if you're studying it just makes things a hell of a lot easier yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. and like at the end of the day like everyone's gonna find like slight variations in what is out there and what information like people come across and what advice they're told and you know the those slight variations are based on you know a person's sort of like interpretation of it and then what works for them yeah i guess you're more of like the expert level of the side of the conversation because you know you've actually studied it <laughs> whereas i'm probably coming from more like the bro science type type side of things <laughs> i've been on every spectrum of it so <laughs> i've i've seen it all i've i've done it all and yeah um there's probably more that um to come that will be a little bit different to what i'm currently doing <laughs> yeah so how long have you actually been involved in gym and training and oh um so training as such i've probably been doing for a lot longer than um i realized so i probably started quite early just from like rehab following my motorbike accident so okay. i got involved in gym pretty much straight after that um working with like the physio that was treating me at the time um doing rehab for my leg and just learning how to walk again so i actually broke when it so when i was nine i had a motorbike accident where i broke um my femur completely snapped wow. in, was in hospital for i think it was six weeks all up um in manual traction and after that um they told me how to walk using crutches and then all the physiotherapy for the year or two after once i got the cast off wow and then that whole experience and going into physiotherapy and and having them help you did that actually kind of push you to think oh maybe i want to do this when i yeah. when i get older yeah uh, so i wouldn't say like there and then was what i guess sparked me to do it but then sort of as i got a bit older and as i sort of like discovered sort of career pathways that i could go down i was like actually see like how much benefit this offers people and i'd like to sort of pursue that 
Yeah, wow. Um, th like this is absolutely crazy. So I had no idea um, that you had had a, a, a motorbike accident and had that kind of injury. Um, and I, obviously I knew you were doing physio and, and down that line of things. But um, what I'm saying is there's another guy that I interviewed, one of my friends, um, probably yeah. two or three episodes ago, um, Tyler. And yeah. he, he had a similar thing where he had a serious accident when he was young. Um, he actually got ran over by a speedboat. Oh shit! Um, and his leg um, got severely um, damaged from it. He uh, he used, can't remember what words he used for it, but it it was it was bad. He lost a lot of his calf and his and destroyed his leg. And he had to go through an intense rehabilitation process, which actually led him to then want to get involved in that industry when he grew up. So I was just as you were saying that, I was like, oh my god, it's such a like parallel parallel story <laughs> yeah no and one thing i think it like everyone who's within this profession or a lot of people who are within this profession have had some experience working with it themselves mm. or in most professions that are like you know physio podiatry you know um prosthetics and orthotics all those sort of industries um and professions people will generally have some sort of experience where they have been involved in their own rehabilitation with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's true. Yeah. So you were nine years old and you fell off. Uh, obviously, it was a dirt bike. You went riding a, a road bike on the road. No. So no. You were, I, I was into motorbikes as well. Uh, luckily, I didn't really sustain any um, serious injuries. I had a few bad crashes, but so you, you ended up actually breaking your femur, which is yeah. um, the femur is between, I guess, like the bones between your hip and your knee, I guess yeah. is the best way to explain it. Most people yeah. would, would know it as that. And it's the largest bone in the body, correct? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. And and from what I understand, it's extremely difficult to break, but you managed to do it. So yeah. had, <laughs> talk us through the accident if you want. I mean, you don't, you don't have to go, go through it. I imagine it'd be pretty traumatic, but... Um. You'd be surprised. So there's not a lot that we really, well, I really remember as to what exactly happened. Um, so it was sort of like, I went out riding one day and then I woke up being airlifted to Adelaide Hospital. Oh, holy shit. Um, so between then and there, we don't know what happened exactly, but we know that I crashed the bike into a, um, a water tank stand. And basically think of like um, railroad road tracks. Mm -hmm. So the, the steel that they use in the railroad road tracks was what they used to build this water tank stand. Oh. And one of the iron beams that was pointing towards me um, actually perforated the goggles, pushed the goggles into my cheek, broke my um, eye socket um, and cheek. Um, and also there was another cross beam that was on the ground, which was where my leg got caught and the bike kept going. Oh my God. That sounds brutal. Yeah. So yeah. Hospital for six to eight weeks. Um, this was blown up. I could not see out of this eye. Um, two, um, surgeries. So one plastic, one cranial facial, um, for the scar and then the scar that runs along here, which is where they put the plate in. Um, and then... In hospital with the leg up in a sling for six weeks yeah wow that that sounds pretty um pretty crazy like i was just imagining like oh you know some sort of jump you know fell down kind of bike kind of landed on you but no, they you actually crashed into a, a water tank and the um the steel that you explained that they make the railroads out that's like extremely heavy um steel it's like it's because i got friends that work in that industry and it's like one like length He's like super heavy. Like you need a lot of a fair few guys to like lift it up. So <laughs> you were, you, you, you definitely weren't going to crash through that. <laughs> no, definitely not. So when you say you don't actually remember, um, like what happened, so you're you riding with friends and they obviously no found so solo. So um, up Shit, in okay. this is where my um grandpa or grandparents live. Oh, um, and so I was just riding around on the farm uh, on my own, and then um, yeah was riding around one day parents left to go um into town and then um, they got a phone call when they got into town to say oh anthony's had an accident so who actually found you um my sister so oh, okay. it was around 
I think it was around lunchtime when um, the accident actually happened. So obviously none has called um, Katia to go out, find me, call me in for lunch. And then, yeah, she's um, found me on the ground over out the back. Un- unconscious, I would imagine. Unconscious, yeah. Uh, well, you don't remember. So at, uh, you know, at that point, who, who knows really what was happening, but we would, we would assume you were probably unconscious. Bloody hell. So yeah. then, yeah, and you don't really remember anything that happened. You remember waking up being airlifted or yeah pretty much it was either i was either airlifted or i was in the ambulance on the way to the right. um, hospital in the main town um because then from there i got airlifted to adelaide yeah well okay and then you spent yeah six to eight weeks doing surgeries with the all with the leg um and then rehab how long did the rehab actually go for months <laughs> yeah i would imagine so yeah um not exactly sure on the timeline i can't really yeah. remember that but it, i know it was a good few months um yeah, just being in the cast i believe i was in the cast for another six to eight weeks on top of the six to eight weeks that i was in hospital wow um, just going based off like bone healing times and like uh certain time points that we have um for like lower limb bones so generally like fractures take about 12 weeks to fully consolidate Mm. and make sure that bone is fully healed and that timeline for the six to eight weeks in the hospital is for um the bone grafts that are i guess created um to meet union which is that sort of initial phase where they've actually created those bonds right okay so obviously healed up all all right because you're managing yeah. to lift uh, weights and, and do things now so yeah you you probably got back into things i would imagine over the, over the next couple of years doing sports like did you play footy soccer or anything yeah like so i was probably one of the most stubborn kids when i when it came <laughs> to like wearing a cast so the teachers actually got to a point where they're like anthony you need to stay inside because i was out on the field with the cast on my leg being goalie playing soccer yeah, that's the stubborn wog mentality. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, um, once I sort of like started getting back into sport after doing all the rehab and stuff, um, I got really into basketball, footy, a um, bit of swimming. And then um, I did, I also did judo and um, mm. what else did I do? Uh, netball. Um yeah. Lots of sports. <laughs> yeah. And then sort of around year 11, year 12-ish, I sort of stopped it all together and just transitioned to doing more gym training. Yeah. So year 11, 12, you would have been, that's, that's all, what, 17, 16, yeah. 17, yeah. kind of got into the gym. Yeah. And then you did your first show when you were 19, did you say? I, uh, right? I did it in 2019. 2019. So, okay. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah. how old so, are you now? Uh, 24. 24. Okay. Oh, so it was a few years ago now. Yeah. And then, um, so it was pretty much mid, uh, sort of end of first year uni, um, transitioning into second year. So I did it during season A, um, back when ICN was originally INBA. Right. Um, so season A of 2019, um, I competed in men's fitness, men's physique with a coach based up in um, Queensland. So I did it all online. And then um, after that, I managed to tear my meniscus. So oh, wow. put competing on hold for a little bit. Um, so I tore the meniscus in my left knee, so the other leg. Um, was rehabbing that for probably about a year, um, trying to do it conservatively and then pulled the pin and said, yep, I'll get surgery done. Got the surgery done, then went over to um, JPS over in Airport West and was like, I want to get back on stage. Um, you know, I've got no set timeline, but when I want to do it, but then um, we started building back up, you know, getting my strength back in my legs, getting my, myself more confident doing things like squats. Because mm. um, that was probably my most hesitant movement given um, how many times I re-injured it while I was doing the sort of conservative management before getting the surgery. Um, I'd start loading up, loading up, and then blew out my knee. Yeah. Um, and then after the surgery, um, I did have a couple of flare-ups. Um, the body, like, when you have a meniscal surgery where they do, like, the clear-out, um, you're basically removing the cartilage that's sort of protecting 
and provides a bit of um, support between the bones. So if you think the knee, it's right in between the joints, if it's rubbing on the bones, it can be a bit of discomfort. And um, yeah, there was probably like five to six occasions where after the surgery, um, it flared up a little bit. Um, and then just like it threw me back, you know, one, two weeks, and we kept progressing. And um, what was it? Um, 2018, I sort of made the decision that, um, you know, I'm turning, you know, 23 at the end of this year. Um, I want to finish off, you know, the year at the end, well, before finish off, finishing off uni, I sort of wanted to do the last opportunity to do juniors. So compete as a junior, try and see if I could win out the class as a junior. Fortunately, didn't. I got close, but um, didn't quite cut it. Cut it. What's, what's um, close though? Second, third? Second. Yeah, second. I got second in one of my comps. So I got two seconds, sorry, one second, two thirds. Um, and then, sorry, two seconds, two thirds and one fourth. Right, well, you have um, the you have the top of the pack. Yeah, small <laughs> smaller classes, but yeah, I still I was pretty happy with how I did. And the biggest thing for me when it came to competing was like, I wanted to make sure that I was better than what I was previously. So if you have a look on like my socials, I've probably posted up a couple of photos where I um, showed my previous comp back in twenty. I got the time dates wrong from last time. It's twenty sixteen and then twenty nineteen. But basically, if you look at the timelines between those two, it's like the conditioning on them is heaps better in the new ones, but the body weight is identical. Right. So yeah. my body weight when I competed last year, um, yeah, at the end, end of 2019 was the exact same as what it was in 2016. But uh, it was just a lot more um, conditioned. And what body weight are you at when you're on stage? So when I was on stage, I was 67 kilos. So quite light. Um, that is very light. How tall are you? I'm one seventy-four centimeters tall. Wow. Yeah, you're fairly you're fairly tall as well, man. That's, yeah. that's light for for one seventy-four. Yeah, seven kilos. Wow. Yeah. So like you, you when you like think about it, like it doesn't like it doesn't look like much. Um, and I held my weight in certain areas, so like I was able to pack on muscle on my back you know, on my legs in particular. Um, but I said to myself, like, at the end of that comp, I was like, there's a lot of areas that I need to work on. Mm. There's a lot that I need to and want to work on. So I now don't have a timeline for when and if I jump on stage again. Um, but if I do, I've got to be a lot bigger. I want to sort of hit a weight class that's a lot higher than where I currently yeah. am. You could probably go, like, well into the high 70s. 70s. Yeah, and that's what ideally I'd like to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll see if Luke can pull up the, the photos off. You said you're there on your Instagram, yeah? They should be on my Instagram, at least yeah. one of the back shots. I've, I've seen a couple of the photos you've put up, you know, from, from your previous comps on there. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you could put on a hell of a lot of muscle, but then again, you're, you're competing in the, um, what would you say, is it fitness? Uh, physique. So physique, I, physique, sorry. Physique, all of, uh, so... My 2016 comps, I believe it was 2016, um, when I first competed, I was a lot smaller. I did fitness and um, physique. And that was um, sort of when I was like, you know, relatively lean. Um, I got a little bit more uh, lean for my, um, you know, my second comp. Yeah. Which you'll see in that middle image there. So that one there, like oh, that okay. was physique. Um, so like... 2016, 2019 on the left and right. And then if you go to the next photo, you'll see the density that I put on through my back. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a great um, before and after comparison of all just the two the two shows. Yeah. And then, like, if you have a look, there's probably, like, earlier shots. I don't know if they're on there, but, like, I did two comps um, when I was – did it in 2016, and there was about five, six weeks. So um, that – is what was considered fitness class back then. So slightly different sort of posing, slightly different like look and conditioning. Like it's, it wasn't- That's a as, great shot. It wasn't as lean. Um, and then if you go down to the bottom one, so there was like one, if you, we go further down, so just there. So that was my, 
um, first year competing. So that was six, uh, I think it was five or six weeks apart. So, Definitely lean. <laughs> yeah. So I did the, the Vic shows and then I did the, um, the Southern Cross titles back in 2016. Um, and then, yeah, so we're looking at like, you know, 2016, uh, comp, like my first and second comp, there was a bit of progress between those two and how lean I got between the two. And then again, between 2016 and 2019, there was an, another massive change. Yeah, it looks like you've made real good progress with each show and you know, each time you go through a yeah. prep phase. And um, I guess this year was the first year that I decided to give bodybuilding a crack as well. Um, so when I um, I went over to the A&B shows to do uh, my sort of like debut in bodybuilding, just to sort of give it a go, see if it was something that I'd like to do, see if it was something that I felt I was ready for. Um, definitely uh, an area I'd like to work on. So you're talking about going to like a open open bodybuilding? So if you go on the, I think it's the ninth photo there. Um The ninth photo, I think. Yeah, so that one just there. So that was when I, I oh, there you go. bodybuilding ago. Oh, so you are you bottom right there? Yeah, so bottom right. Yeah, yeah, okay. So something that, you know, I've always thought, you know, I'd love to give it a go, but I wanted to make sure that, you know, I felt like I was ready for it. And again, not the year to, that I was ready for it. Um, definitely a lot more room to improve. Um, size um, compared to the others, but conditioning, you know, was something that I was always able to get lean enough to do. It was just now, okay, well, now that I've got that ability to get lean, I need to get yeah, it. Yeah, you've done it before now, so you know you know you can get there. It's just about building the, the muscle and building the size now. Yeah. So are you working with JPS to, to try to build up a bit more muscle to, to get on stage to do open bodybuilding Eventually, yeah. So, like, at the moment, um, I'm sort of, like, focusing on developing, like, my career working as a physio, but also um, competing in powerlifting. It's something that I've always been interested in. Yeah, I, you know, thought, I thought so. You're doing a lot of powerlifting type stuff. Yeah, so I'll be competing, actually, in April this year um, right. in powerlifting at the JPS Open. So nice. we're, we've just transitioned into a little bit more of a specification block. Um, where my training volume is dropping, but we're looking at intensifying on the loads I'm going to be lifting. Wow. Okay. It's interesting. I, I, I like powerlifting. I've never really thought about competing in it or anything like that, but um, I do like to experiment with my training and, and add in a few, um, you know, big lifts where I'm trying to lift, you know, like a one rep max or at least, you know, very, very low repetitions on, um, you know, mainly a deadlift or in a squat. Yeah. Uh, sometimes a bench press here and there. But um, I actually went to JPS, would have been 2019 now, and um, had a session there with, I can't remember the guy's name. I think that was there on the day that you were there. Maybe. Um, I've got a funny suspicion I was, because I, I remember, because... I was there I was there with one of my friends, Beck. Okay. Yes, yeah. Okay. So I was there, you were, with, you were training with Jacob, I think. Yeah, yes, that's the one. Yes, yes, yeah. Jake, that's his name. Yeah, so he's my coach. Yeah, I thought so. That's what I was saying because when I was – I think I followed you because he had posted something on his Instagram or maybe on the JPS, like, uh, Instagram. And then I was like, oh, this guy, you know, lifting is a pretty decent way. And I think that's how I followed you. And then I seen you were doing powerlifting. And it was right around the time I was, um, you know – doing the podcast setting up the podcast i was like oh this would be a real good guy to get on the podcast awesome <laughs> so yeah here we are there we go yeah awesome no but yeah it's um yeah it's definitely been a big change um in regards to just like the style of training how it sort of like uh, it integrates into what you know day-to-day -day life and um the i guess the total impact that it actually has comparative to bodybuilding and the different phases of it um, like the, the style of training, like the training that you do for bodybuilding can be very similar to what you do to powerlifting, but the, the need to do specific exercises mm. isn't there. So like with bodybuilding, you don't have to do a squat bench or a deadlift. Yeah. You um, whereas with powerlifting, you do because it's, it's a necessity. Yeah. And one thing that I always 
kind of catch myself. It's like with, with bodybuilding, <clears throat> the, the goal is to pretty much grow the muscle. So yeah. the way you do certain movements, you know, you don't want to make it easier. You want to make sure you're putting the most amount of stress on the muscle to, to create growth. Absolutely. Whereas a lot of the technique in powerlifting is to spread the load of the weight and the mechanics of the movement is to make sure you can get this weight up, you know, in the most efficient way, which was, isn't always the best for, you know, the goal of building muscle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, it, and exactly, exactly right. It makes like, that makes complete sense. It's the, you know, you want to get, be able to lift as heavy as possible in the most efficient way possible, mm -hmm. um, you know, and you want to be able to recruit the muscles in the best way possible. So it's about, you know, trying to facilitate that as best as you can. And again, specificity is like key when it comes to that. Mm. So what, what are, what are some of the, the numbers that you're, you're putting up? <laughs> oh, okay. So this week to finish off the block that I just did. So I did my, um, sort of final volume block where we were doing triples for all my top sets. So 95 for three uh, for my bench. So 152.5 for my squat for three and then 195 for three for my deadlift. Wow. That's, that's pretty impressive. Um, the bench, the bench press, I, I mean, maybe because your body weight's a bit low, like it seems like you could push, you could probably go way high on the bench press, but I mean, the squat and the dev lift is pretty impressive. Yeah. So I guess like the last block that I did um, was the last one where we were sort of pushing the weights up a little bit more. So um, I was doing doubles in my last block and I got up to 102.5 for two for bench, um, 160 for two for my squat and then 210 for two for my dead. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and then, like, to give you a bit of our, I guess, a stepping stone for my next block, so week one, we've got projections for what ideally I'd like to hit. So for my singles for week one, we've got 95 to 97 for my bench, um, 150 to 155 for my squat for a single, and then 190 to 195 for a single for my deadlift. And... It's week one, so it's just going to be building from there. And the RPEs mm. and intensity that I'm going to be lifting out is quite low in week one. Yeah. And it'll build up across each week. Yes. And are you, so, but what body weight are you at now? So, obviously, you're not at your stage weight of 69 kilos. You're probably yeah. a lot higher. Yeah. So, I'm currently sitting at around the 78 mark at the moment. Yeah, okay. about 10 kilos above my stage weight. That's basically about what I'm at now, um, except I'm a lot shorter than you. I'm 167. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm roughly about 78 kilos. So you're already, you're already trumping me. You're, already, you're doing stuff I can't do. Uh, if you say, if you're saying you can squat two reps at 160, I can't do that. <laughs> we'll see. Well, I'm, I'm very hopeful for what numbers I'll be pulling um, come comp day. Um, I'm, regardless of what I do pull, they'll all be PBs because pretty much every week above those numbers that I mentioned before, um, yeah, it's a number that I haven't touched before. So it's all new territory for me. So when it comes to yeah. comp day, I don't know what we'll be sort of planning to aim for, um, but we'll see how it goes. So what um, weight class do you think you'll be competing in? So I've signed up for the under 85s because I basically had a chat to Jacob, my coach, and we, he sort of said, you know, look, first comp, don't worry about cutting weight to make a different weight class. Just, you know, eat as you normally are, train as you're normally doing, and, you know, just nail the comp. So go in with the intention of hitting your lifts rather than trying to make a particular weight class. Yeah, I guess so. Do you, is there, I'd imagine in the under 85, so you're probably getting a, a large chunk of guys who are actually going to cut weight to try to just get below that 85. Exactly. And anyone who is going to be you know 85 to 90 kilos they're probably putting up huge numbers yeah, like you look at it like this it's like a bodybuilding comp it's like you look at someone who's on stage you know five percent body fat and is 77 kilos compared to someone who is 77 kilos but 13 percent body fat yeah there's a lot more muscle there yeah um uh, yeah uh look I, I would imagine if someone's competing at the under 85s and they're serious like they want to win the show they're probably sitting at, at 90 you know almost 90 kilos 
during their prep for the comp. And someone who's 90 kilos is probably squatting like well over 200. Yeah. What do you reckon? And, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. the biggest thing is like, uh, and like you know this from whenever you're dieting, like your energy levels are a lot lower. So yeah, the the last minute weight cuts are sort of um, something that I don't really think I will do personally. Um, I'd rather sort of do what I'm currently doing, just focus on, you know, building up through the weight class that I'm currently in. And not trying to force myself to meet weight class if it's not, you know, ideal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But just like you said, you want to, you want to focus on just get, getting to the comp and getting, cause you've never done a powerlifting comp before. No. Yeah. So get one under your belt, I guess, learn about the process. And after that, you just go from there. Yeah. And it's like the, the other thing with like, when people do these sort of rapid sort of drops or like, you know, they are training at around 90 kilos and then they drop down to meet the 85 classes. Like, okay, like I've been training at this, but I've now lost a bit of weight. You know, where's that weight come from? You know, is it going to change how you feel when you're in the bottom of the squat? Is it going to change how much mass is between your chest and the bar when you're benching? You know, yeah. it, there's, a, there's a bit of cushioning that you lose when you lose a bit of weight. Mm. So you got to train for a little bit of time with uh, you know your body at 85 kilos so that you feel comfortable lifting at that because otherwise you can't expect to be able to lift the same numbers at that given body weight yeah so are you eating more food to try to gain more weight at this stage yeah so i'm sort of maintaining so i don't want to like jump up too much at this point in time up until comp but then after i compete in april i'm going to be going into a bit more of a gaining phase i think I definitely right. put on a bit more size and put in a bit more muscle because I'm hitting those upper limits where the like increments that we can actually increase on the bar for like the weight that I'm lifting, but also like the amount of energy that I have when I'm training, if I'm like trying to push things out, it's just, we're getting close to that sort of like, you know, one to 2% changes at the end. Yeah. Okay. So how much food are you eating at the moment? Are you, are you on a, a large amount of calories or just, you're I'm actually not tracking at this point in time. Not tracking. Oh, no, okay. Luxury, no. luxury. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like it's it's basically eating, you know, whenever you can, or eating, you know, fitting it in with your lifestyle. So yeah. you are set sort of like four to five meals: your breakfast, lunch, your dinner, and a couple of snacks throughout the day. But basically, whenever you can fit it in with work schedules and stuff like that, it's yeah. not ideal to be on a sort of a rigid meal structure, but it can help in some cases. Yeah. So are you like prepping your food and stuff or are you literally just every day just kind of grabbing whatever's in the pantry and making it up as you go? Bit of both. So right. like I'll prep, you know, bulk food. So like I'll, you know, prep a whole heap of rice, whole potatoes, chicken, get it all sorted so that it's ready to go and ready to just throw into a container and take with me to work. Um, but I won't sort of like, you know, have like containers, like all the food set out. Just yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't container up all my food for the week, but I'll cook it all like, like on a sun, like today I've, yeah. I cooked all my food. Yeah. Um, like it's like a kilo of rice, a kilo of potatoes and it's like in massive, massive containers in the, in and the fridge. And then it in. every day I just fucking put it in the, in containers and off I go to work, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit of prep, but it's worth it. Otherwise yeah. at the moment, like if I was being unorganized, I, I don't think I would be able to eat enough food to hit my macros for the day. If I wasn't prepared, <laughs> I'm really not, I'm eating 2,500 calories, maybe just a little bit over, which isn't really that much compared to like, you know, some guys eat fucking in the four thousands, you know, three, four thousands. Yeah. Like, sorry, but it's, the most that I've probably eaten up to, like at the peak of my bulk pre-comp was about three, two, three, three. Yes, it's so much food. <laughs> and yeah, it's a lot of food. And like, if you're trying to eat it clean, yeah, it's, it's a oh. decent chunk of food to eat. I, I recently started doing something which is amazing. Um, so in America, cream of rice is something that all bodybuilders have, yeah? Yeah. And it's really calorie dense. Well, at least carb dense. Yeah. Um, and we don't, we don't have cream of rice here. And so I was like, what the fuck is it like? How do we get it? Like, what do you, what exactly do people buy here? One of my mates like, oh, it's rice flour. So I went and bought rice flour and it's basically the same thing. It's just granulated rice. So cream of rice is just the brand they have in America. So I'm using rice flour now, cook yeah. it up in the microwave, you know, boiling water. 
and you know you do like a, a hundred grams of this um, rice flour is like 70 grams of carbs it's like so dense so it's like perfect you just get all your carbs in <laughs> i did some pretty crazy stuff with it when it came to food yeah cream of rice seems like something that um would go down really easily it's like um, super digestible yeah yeah i eat it and like an hour later i'm like i'm fucking hungry again man i mix it with like berries and peanut butter as well I would thought, you know, maybe the peanut butter because of the little bit of fat might slow the digestion down. But like at the moment, like an hour later, I'm like fucking hungry. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to get get, get, get your food in. Um, yeah, there's another thing that I used to do. So rather than um, you know going for things like oats and stuff, um, cereals cereals yeah. were like one of my go tos. Yeah, smashing down like any cereal that you could it was it just went down really easily and it was ready to go when you were like going to train what type of cereal are you talking though you're talking like like good cereal good good for you cereal you're talking like fuck cocoa pops and fruit loops cocoa pops <laughs> rain. um the milo cereal is pretty good yeah see all that stuff is like if you're eating high um calories like yeah. fuck man, you can just smash that. Like, get it's so easy to get in and and consume it. Like it's good for pre workout or post workout. Yeah. But like I I tend to gain weight pretty easily, so I'm always worried about having like sugars, like too much sugar in the diet, like from cereals and and stuff like that. But I don't know, we'll, we'll we'll see how we go. <laughs> yeah, and I think the the I guess the the sugar component of it is as long as you're still meeting your carbohydrate total. Yeah, doesn't really have too much of an impact, and provided you're also getting like your fiber intake and you know yeah. your vitamins and minerals from your um, veggies and fruits, um, it shouldn't really um, play too much of a role in sort of like how fast you gain weight. Yeah, It'll be more sort of okay. Total calories for the day, are you still meeting them? Yes, great. No, okay. You need to pull these back to slow down your rate of weight gain. Okay. Um, but also, you know, if you're finding that, you know, you're eating, you know, high sugar, high sugar foods and you're getting more hungry, okay, that's probably an indication that, you know, you need to dial back on the sugars because, you know, you're getting those cravings for more. Yeah. I always say the more I eat, the more hungry I get. Like it's, it's crazy that if I eat two meals a day, say I fast overnight and I don't eat breakfast and I'll eat like, you know, a mid morning lunch type thing, you know, 11, 12 o'clock maybe. Yeah. And then I'll eat dinner. Like lots of people do that. It's, it's for their own reasons, you know, longevity or whatever fasting is supposed to be good. But if I do that, like I'll be, I won't feel hungry. I just, I'll eat like midday, I eat dinner and it's just like your body just settles into that routine. But because I want to gain a bit of muscle, a bit of size, like obviously I'm eating four or five meals a day and I'm, calories are getting up and up and up. And it's like, as soon as I start adding in more food, four, three meals, four meals, five, it's like I start to get more hungry. And it's like, I eat breakfast an hour later, I'm fucking hungry again. And then I eat and I'm hungry. And it's just like, so I add more food in the next week because, uh, you know, I, I only go up a little bit on the scale. So I add more food, you know, this is good. This is good. And then it's like, I'm eating more food and i'm just feeling more hungry <laughs> uh, it's like a cycle yeah and like you'll find that like as you get your body gets used to like bringing in more food it's like okay we need to keep this going because because we will fall into those sort of like patterns it's like okay i'm used to having this much food so i'm just going to keep mm -hmm. going with that yeah as opposed to like you know if you eat a little less frequently your body gets or you get used to eating less frequently and then, you know, as you start ramping it up, it'll ramp up with that. Yeah. So um, with your study, the ex exercise science, yep. does that incorporate a lot of food, like like nutritional type stuff or, or not? We did it very basic. So we did a general sort of nutritional course to give us a better understanding. So one of our subjects was um, exercise and nutrition, but then we also did... Um, a sports nutrition subject as well. So we can't really, we're similar to sort of PTs. We can't prescribe anything um, yeah. outside of the realms of sort of um, that sports um, 
performance um, advice. Mm. But again, it's just advice. And most of the stuff that we do um, sort of recommend comes from Nutrition Australia. Or yeah. in our case, we refer on to um, dietitians. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. That's probably, probably the best thing because dietitians will study everything, you know, about the diet and is a complete whole, not just from like a sports perspective. So yeah, exactly. Um, mm. And so like our understanding is sort of like, okay, so, you know, in, when it comes to like endurance based sports, what supplements, you know, what sort of um, things do you need to be aware of when someone is training so that they're getting the most out of it or they can push that a little bit further. Yeah. Um, or, you know, power. So um, for like strength and um, physique based sports, it's like, cool. You all know creatine is very beneficial um, in getting a little bit more out because it's been researched. You know, it's one of the, the number one um, supplements that people will recommend because mm. it's guaranteed to provide some level of benefit. Yeah, you definitely, um, you definitely feel like, you know, you get a boost from it. You can, you can lift more weight taking creatine straight away. You know, you feel a, you feel a boost from it. But, mm. um, I. I've heard or I've, I've watched podcasts before and read articles about people talking about creatine who say there's more like there's more studies showing creatine actually is beneficial for like brain health and cognitive function. Like, like just as much as it is for physical performance. Yeah. I've heard this. I mean, I haven't directly looked at it myself, but I have mm. heard um, similar sort of um, notions. I, I was kind of i went down a rabbit hole um i've been probably more and more getting into it over the last like two or three years on like longevity yeah. and um health and i think um one of the people that really got me onto it if you follow bodybuilding do you know ben pakulski yes i do yeah and he's got his own bpac he's got his own podcast called uh, now he changed the name of it. it used to be called muscle intelligence now it's called something else i think um, um but he started at like of talking a lot about bodybuilding and building muscle. And he had a lot of, you know, guys centered around the gym lifestyle, but then he kind of transferred. He, he kind of got more and more into like longevity. Yeah. Have you ever listened to any of his podcasts? Oh, I think back in the day when I was like, when I did my first comp, I sort of looked into his stuff a little bit, but more recently I haven't really been looking into it yeah, that I much. Not not recent, like this year I haven't. It was probably like last year and definitely like the year before that, you know, 2019, 2018. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of like where, when I was getting involved in all that, I was seeing this creatine stuff and I was saying how like, it's just beneficial whether you're training or not training every day to take creatine yeah. um, for, for brain health. Like, yeah, it's definitely something that I would take daily. Um, most of the time, so with like dosage recommendations, three to five milligrams um, per day, um, because I don't know if you've heard, like they do, they they'll put it on most packaging, like to do a loading protocol. Yeah, no. like, you don't need to do that. <laughs> uh, like in all honesty, like it takes a little while to like get into your system and stay in your system, but as long as you're taking it daily after that sort of initial two to four week period, um, it will. Have, you have those elevated levels in your yeah. system. Um, yeah, I, I think that whole loading process has been around for ages and lots of people are kind of just like, it's fucking bullshit. Like they just want you to take more of the product so you can have to buy yeah. more again. <laughs> yeah, like it works. It, it actually does what it says it does, but at the risk of the, you know, the water lot. So like a lot of people get like bloating because um, of the GI distress that it causes. Yeah. But also, um, they hold on to a lot more water because you're basically flooding yourself with creatine. Creatine is goes directly into the muscle. You'll be a little bit more watery initially. That mm -hmm. water will drop off, but during that loading phase, it you know is a lot more prevalent and it does just sort of sit in your system. People don't feel very comfortable, you know, when they're feeling bloated because they've just loaded up on creatine. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's isn't that the life of someone who's just trying to gain size? You always feel bloated because you're eating so much food, probably, yeah. you know, you're consuming creatine and water, and you just feel like a balloon for like you know 23 hours of the day, and then you mm -hmm. get to the gym and you feel like an animal for that one hour. You're probably lifting yeah. the most weight you've ever lifted. <laughs> yeah. Do you um? So do you follow much um like bodybuilding on social media, like bodybuilders themselves, and this year? Like obviously the start of this year has been a bit 
busy um, in regards to like um, just setting myself up with my business and like spending as much, not spending as much time on socials or YouTube um, as much. Um, but like up until this year, like, yeah, I was like watching YouTube videos, like it would be what I do in my downtime, just sort of chill, you know, eat food, watch, you know, a YouTube video of like, some, um, or scroll through Instagram, um, see what um, people have posted up. Yeah. Um, it's something that I would do just in my downtime. Um, so I had um, one of my mates on not long ago, two, two episodes ago on him, we're talking about, because um, he's into bodybuilding as well. Um, most, I don't, maybe you might know who he is. His name is Bryce, Bryce Foster. Okay. Um, he's in Tasmania at the moment. He's been over in Melbourne, but he's done some comps. Um, we're talking anyway about, um, have you ever heard of Fuad Abiyad? No, I haven't. Oh, he's got a, <laughs> he's got a podcast called the real bodybuilding podcast. Okay. And, oh, it's fucking hilarious, man. He started the podcast. I probably told this story already um, when I was doing the episode with Bryce, but um, he started the podcast for it to be like a serious bodybuilding podcast to interview like actual trainers, bodybuilders to like nut out all the bro science bullshit and like true and false for certain things. And he's kind of ended up now where he, he, he was doing Q and A's and um, he was getting like bullshit fucking questions, like the most ridiculous people just asking him fucking not even to do with bodybuilding way out there questions, you know, <laughs> would you, would you like, would you, uh, would you rather sit on a cake and eat a dildo or sit on a dildo and eat a cake? Oh. <laughs> Shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, so, and him and his mates like uh, James uh, Hollingshead, um, uh, Ben Chow, uh, who else does he have on? He has um, Guy Sister Nino on, um, Nick Walker. Do you, do, you, do you know Nick Walker? Name sounds familiar. Right, guys, a fucking beast, man. Luke, while I'm talking, fucking look up Nick Walker. We'll bring him up. Um, but they so they started doing these Q and A's and answering these really stupid fucking questions. So now what he's done is he split the podcast. He has like a bro chat series and bodybuilding and bollocks where they just talk shit, absolute shit. It's fucking hilarious. And then he has like proper bodybuilding podcasts. Yeah, here's the guy. So this this guy is Nick Walker. Okay. He is, he's fucking phenomenal, man. He's so big. Yeah. He's competing at the New York Pro um, coming up soon. I think they're 10 weeks out now. I, be yeah. I believe his nickname is the Mutant, isn't it? The Mutant. Yeah. He's huge. Yeah. Bro, he's, and he's young, man. He's, uh, he's probably 26, maybe. Um, he's very young. Like, there's lots of talk about him being and he's like oh go back up you had a really good stage shot there oh maybe that's a good one oh, it looks like the anyway he's fucking massive man which one are you talking about um uh, this one no nah, he's had there's better ones i've seen of that of him on stage um google nick walker on stage the guy is just phenomenal um he wants to win the olympia He's got to qualify for the Olympia first. Yeah. I go. I, I saw the one I was looking. I was. I was thinking, looking at. Uh, get out of this one. Click the X. Um, oh, there you go. So the one where there's the three of him in the second row down. Go left to that. Yeah, right there. Fuck, that's phenomenal, man. That's unreal. Yeah, he looks fucking insane. Holy shit! So he wants to win the Olympia. He's got to qualify first. I think he's going. Um, compete at the new york pro yeah um and then if he wins that obviously he qualifies for the olympia but yeah he's um do you obviously you you would know um blessing uh i think his last name yes. is yeah yeah you can google him as well Luke. just google blessing literally how it's spelled probably double s yeah double s and then like o w I B U or something like that. Yeah, like yeah, there you go. I would. So you, you know who he is, yeah, Anthony? Yeah, yeah. This guy, he's he, he's a decent bodybuilder. He's won plenty of comps. Um, him and Nick were fucking having like online, uh, sh you know, shit talking, and yeah. <laughs> they're both competing at the New York Pro. 
Um, so there's a lot of talk of like who's going to win. Yeah. Um, probably Nick, but this guy's a freak as well, man. He looks insane. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure in 2017 was the last time he competed and he like won his pro card like three times in that in the year because he won three shows, mm. pro show or whatever it is. He won his, he won his pro card three times. Mm. Um, insane. But yeah, he looks fucking insane. Yeah. Someone that um, I guess I've been like following a lot, um, even during my like throughout my prep and ongoing, is uh, Chris Bumstead. Oh yeah, um, he's fucking insane. We, we we probably looked up Chris Bumstead on the Bryce podcast too, didn't we, Luke? I think we did. Yeah, this guy is insane, man. So actually, um, on the you, you got to look this up, man. You, you got to look up Fuad Abiyad, the, the real bodybuilding podcast. Um, so Chris. Bum, Bumstead um, is dating. Um, wait, you know, so so do you ever have you heard of Ian Valier? Yes. Yeah. So Ian is dating Chris's brother Melissa, um, and they so they all live in the same house. Oh wow! <laughs> so sometimes Chris gets on the because Ian does the podcast with Vuard and a couple of the other guys, and sometimes Chris jumps on and they talk shit and. <laughs> Yeah, this guy's a fucking animal. I mean, some of his latest stuff's been, yeah, like his latest like comp was insane. The amount of density that he came on stage with, I think the fifth photo there is probably from that comp. He won um, the show, which is absolutely insane. Do you reckon that was this year? No, that's 2019. No, no that, yeah, there's yeah, 2019. Just type in 2020 Olympia, it'll is come up. Olympia? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's won the Olympia twice now. Yeah, we looked at that exact photo with Bryce. So it's him, Breon, and um, uh, uh, fuck, what's the guy's name? Russ, Russell, Russ. Can't remember his name. Do you know the guy that comes third? Breon's on the right, and the guy on the on the left is. Uh, I can't remember his name. Yeah, I think it's. I think they call him Diesel. Diesel Russell or something like that. Um, yeah. Do you do you tend to follow these guys more than the open? Yeah. 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 I I don't I like I watch the open. But these guys are definitely probably the ones that I go for more. Yeah. They. It, it's so strange because open bodybuilding is kind of like the one that everyone not everyone the one that like is at the top of the of the pinnacle of like bodybuilding I guess especially for the Olympia, but it, it's like these guys pull in a way bigger like crowd. Yeah. So like, the, it seems like things are shifting, man. Like maybe eventually we're going to see like the, the days of, you know, these mutant bodybuilders, you know, 300 pounds or 280 pounds on stage. Maybe it's going to die out a bit. We're going to see these smaller, more, you know, athletic looking guys who are still massive, you know, who are still going on stage at like what, 240, 250. Thank you, yeah. Yeah, like it's it's insane. They're, they look so much smaller than the body than the open bodybuilding guys. But if you stood him, like if you stood Chris Bumstead next to a, a normal human, <laughs> you would tower him. Yes, <laughs> or her. Absolutely. Yeah, no, nah, it's um, I guess it's like the like from my perspective in regards to working towards or having like a love for this sort of like sport is that I identify a little bit more with these sort of athletes in that this is more attainable. Yeah. Or this is a more attainable physique. Whereas, and... The, slightly more, slightly more attainable. Yeah. Slightly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, it's something that it's like, okay, like, this isn't, like, you know, this is the peak of, you know, genetic potential, you know, certain... Granted, you know, a lot of these guys are on gear, but like, you know, they're, they've done, put in so much absolute like work to yeah. get to this point. And, you know, gear shouldn't be seen as something that is like, you know, a way out. Mm. It's, it's something to better what is already a great work ethic and, you know, discipline and dedication to the sport. Yeah. Um. Have you ever looked at natural bodybuilders? Yeah. Do you have any? Yeah. Do you have any guys you that you follow on that? Or oh, okay. Um, do you know Alberto Nunez? Oh, the name rings a bell. 
Alberto Nunez. No. Uh, I Luke will bring him up. We'll see if I've ever seen photos of him. Okay. Wow. Looks pretty bloody good. Yeah, so that was his probably most, one of his most recent debuts, I believe. That was in 2018. Um, then you've also got guys like... Um, Jared Feather, but he's just transitioned to um, now competing in the enhanced. So he was oh, okay. um, natural up until more recently, where he's now um, started doing IFBB shows and he started um, competing there. Mm. There's also guys like um, Jeff Alberts. If you search Jeff Alberts, um, I think he's actually competing soon. Jeff Alberts, right. It's just it's just crazy to think like these guys are pretty much at their like genetic potential, yeah. natural. Yeah. And uh, you know, it just goes to show the difference between like being enhanced and not enhanced, how much of a difference it does make. Yeah, absolutely. Um another one Samok uh, Sam Kulu. Kaluna, I think it is, or Sam, if you search up Samok Fitness. We'll see what comes up. Samok. Oh, yeah. Is this the guy? There you go. Yeah. I can't bring out, I can't remember his full name. Um, Natty Verified. <laughs> but yeah, he is, um, he competed, I believe it was like last year, just before. Wow. Look at that. That's fucking good. He's got good yeah. legs for a natural guy. Yeah, he's huge. Mm. Right, I reckon there's one that you haven't heard of. Um, type in Doug Miller. It's the same guy, same man. same guy we we looked up um, on on Bryce's podcast. D O U G Miller. That's the one. This guy's insane, man. Jeez, have a look at that. Huge, yeah. Have a look at that for a, for a natural bodybuilder. Jeez, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Like incredible. I'm pretty sure he's like, like won the natural Mr. Olympia. That's so like um, he's, he's like pretty much one of the best in the world. Um, Yeah. Fucking incredible. Serious density through his chest. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The guy's insane. I actually listened to the podcast. The reason why I know him is because he was on Fuad's podcast. Okay. And um, he was talking about, you know, his training and his career and how he got so big and, you know, that he's, he's natural and he's always, always has been. And um, he's like insane with like what he would do. You know, he, he used to train in the mornings, then go to work. Then he, what he said to his work is I'm going to, Every day, leave at five thirty. I'm gonna train, eat my meal, and then if you if there's more to be done at work, I'll come back. So for years, he would go home. He would train in the morning, go to work, go home, train, and then go back to work to finish off and work till like eight nine o'clock at night. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So that's dedication to the sport. Insane, insane dedication. Oh, I lost my camera. Give me a sec. Here we go. I'm back. <laughs> yeah. So fuck, man. Oh, we're. Uh, I think we're getting to the end of end of what the, the time we have with you on the podcast today. It happened very quickly. I know. I think how fast does it go? That's what I always say to people, man. It's ridiculous. Like, yeah, time flies. Um, maybe I'll have to get you on again yeah, after you've competed your, your first comp. So when's your first comp for so powerlifting? My first comp, let me just double check. I know it's the first weekend of, or the second weekend of April, given that April starts. Right, around then. Yeah, so maybe after I that. The, I think it's the 11th. Right. Well, so, we'll yeah. have to think about seeing you know, how, how you go. Might, might get some videos and photos from that, get you on again. We can go through it, talk some shit. Definitely, yeah. No, um, 11th of April is when I'm competing. Nice. Okay, I think that's the week after Good Friday. Yeah. So that, that, that holiday period, yeah. Ah, 
You're going to have to be, you probably, you know, don't make, don't put on too much weight. You know, you might. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> just got to steer clear of the hot cross buns and uh, eat some eggs. <laughs> well, if you're anything like me, you know, w- wogs around that time, there's plenty Oof. of food. There's always plenty of food. I'm pretty sure there's like three days worth of just eating. Yep. No, oh, don't worry, mate. I, I get that too. All right, well, don't jump off, but um, we'll, we can say goodbye to everyone at home and hopefully people are watching uh, on YouTube and listening on Spotify or iTunes. So <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll uh, get together again and um, we'll do it after your comp, all right? Sounds good. Perfect. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, everyone. See you later. Thank you.